Yes, and on that note, welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 50, deuce, 52, one year. Last one of the season, 2018, this is it. That's it, man. We had on our guest owner of OPEX Upper Main Line, Cody Leffler. Yes. Talked a lot about, oh, go ahead. No, super good friend. You know, we've known him for years, known him from different places, you know, CrossFit Explode, going to the CrossFit Games. He's, yeah, super good friend, super Mm -hmm. stoked to have him on. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, a lot of great conversation about coaching, mindset, you know, developing a well-rounded program, a lot of what they're doing here at OPEX, and um, just cool, man. A lot of good education coming from Cody on this one. Absolutely. Make sure to check it out. Go on YouTube, go on Facebook, go on Instagram, all that. Like, subscribe, share. Yeah. www.kcandtie.com. <sighs> Booyah. Machine. That neck John where what is it? it's like the, the leather straps that goes across your fucking face. <laughs> yeah. Like a like a like a bondage thing. Yeah. You're like Floyd Mayweather, man. Dude, we did we did jaw work when I was at Villanova. Did what a bunch mean? of jaw work. Did you jaw? Yeah, yo, size? you've done it. You've done it, you know. Yeah, because the concussion mm-hmm. uh, ratio is like if you're like in, I'm not a, I don't know this whole process, but like when you have a concussion or when you hit the top of your head, um, that's why they talk about wearing your mouthpiece. A lot of guys that get concussion don't wear mouthpieces. And um, the shock wave between your teeth. Mm. And I guess, I don't know, there's some correlation between the strength in your jaw. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Yo, it would make sense. Like, My brother had a few concussions. I think he had, he probably had like five of them, honestly. And his jaw it clicks. Like his jaw comes out of place whenever he eats and stuff. Mm. It's fucking <laughs> disgusting, actually. <laughs> you just listen to him munching away. It's like... Like making every time weird clicks. doesn't matter yeah. what that's yeah, so yeah. funny. Like it's normal. <laughs> we uh we would hang bands off of like this really high bar, so you could probably just choose one of those bars, hang the bands, and put your chin there in the bottom, and just like you were doing, just open. Really? Yeah, we used to. Um, yeah. Did you feel sore in your after? Like, do you notice it? I didn't get sore. <clears throat> in football, they used to do like the towels. Did you guys yeah. ever do that? Mm-hmm. Or even your like buddy. Like, in high school... They, like, you're on all fours? Yeah. Calisthenic lines, you'd have to hold your fucking boy's head. It's, mm-hmm. like, so awkward and weird. <laughs> and I'm, like... Uh, no, it's working out, bro. It's working out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was worse when it was at practice, and, like, there was always, like, fucking sweaty kids, and, like, yeah. they're gross. And that you're kid just that like, doesn't shower. That kid that didn't figure out he had BO until, like, yeah. senior year or after. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That is Yo, super funny. Uh, so I guess we'll throw a little bit of an intro in here. We're yeah. here with Cody Leffler, owner of OPEX, Upper Main Line. Any relation to Peter Leffler, captain from the Average Joe's Gymnasium? Uh, that's Leffler. Oh, Leffler. Now that you say that, uh, yes. Do you ever get course. that? All the time. Do you really? Leffler. Yeah. Leffler. Well, like, is that kind of where your name, like your family's <laughs> name came from? Kind of? I- <clears throat> I don't know. I think uh, I like <laughs> the name Lafleur is funny, so like I'm uh, I'm all about it. But uh, um, the the name itself sounds like a French name to me. Uh, like Lafleur yeah, is like yeah. a flower or like something. Pew, pew, yeah, <laughs> I could have the lineage totally wrong, but the um, my actual background is like German Norwegian. Um, I believe my mom's side is like 
like uh, Welsh or something and anything Brooks is her last name so I don't um, yeah I don't know I have no idea <laughs> but uh, <Just> if <laughs> it's cool I welcome it no yeah. I got like all the mix-ups when when I was a kid it was always like low fleur <laughs> leo fleur Loafer. yeah but it's so it's o yeah. l o e the o is silent yeah. just a lot of that and then uh, calling people on the phone is like a nightmare like when you have to do your billing yeah because you're yeah. just like <clears throat> when, uh, there's a thing when you say ff like you're spelling your name and you're mm-hmm. like f f and they're like <laughs> they're like s like, <laughs> f <laughs> so uh we used to make fun f- of my mom when i was a kid because she would always say like she would just go, it was like clockwork, like she would say, L-O-E-F-F as in Frank, L-E-R. And uh, oh, we would always nice. like bust chops because as kids we didn't understand. So we were like, F-F as in Frank. And now it's like the go-to, man. I say it all the time. Yeah, that's awesome. That is funny. <clears throat> yeah, but like uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Cody and I, we met back at like 2012, 11? 2011. 2011 yeah. back at CrossFit Explode. We were on a couple games teams there out in California. Worked for Cody a few for a little bit here at OPEX, and uh, now we got him on the show. Yeah, and of course, uh, the three of us all have some training background together and coaching background together, and it's been a pretty cool uh, ride up to this point. A lot of people to thank for that, and a lot of uh, you know good times along the way for sure. So it's yeah. it's pretty cool um, just at this table to kind of look and be like, you know, how many years have gone by, and and uh, I don't know, man, it's. It's pretty cool that we're sitting here. Yeah, it is. It's fun, too, because we just talked to Brad the other day, too. Brad Feinberg. Out in, he's out in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like the same thing, man. I remember at the old Explode, all, you know, team trainings and shit like that, rolling tie in the tire. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh, man. That kind of stuff, man. Yeah, that, that was stuff. a blast, dude. It was a blast. We turn off. I think our music might still be on. Oh, uh, yeah. There we go. But it's crazy, too, because we were just sitting... Um, we were in town. I mean, it couldn't have been, I mean, it was probably a little bit ago now, but we saw Emily walking around and she's working at the CrossFit gym in town too, yep. which was a cool turnaround, mm-hmm. you know? So it's funny, man. It's like everybody spreads out, but the world is so small in like fitness or whatever, or at least as far as I feel around here <laughs> for us. You right. Know? It's cool. Yeah, it man. Cool. It's just good. I think it's, it's phases of life and uh, it's, it's just been really cool to have opportunities to be around the people that I've been around both uh, from a coaching standpoint and learning standpoint you know, I owe a lot to those people who have helped me, you know, learn how to be a better coach, learn how to be um, a business owner, whatever it is. And, uh, and then on the other side, just as an athlete, it's like, there's so much, uh, there's so much talent, like in, I'm, I'm sure this is everywhere you go, but there's just so much, there's so much talent and, uh, you know, really like a lot of committed athletes and, and people who are kind of chasing all like a, a similar or same goal that you either you have or you once had. And, um, you know, I, the CrossFit game starting in 2007 and <clears throat> sort of, you know, moving across that, that line and seeing it now, it's 2019 and like, not just how much has changed, but just like how long, um, you know, that, that 10 year or so window is and thinking like I got in in 2011 and all of the things that have happened both in my career as a, uh, as a athlete then and a coach now, um, you know, are all interrelated to all these people that, you know, and the stories that I'm sure the three of us have for, for days even. Yep. Um, and each of us go <clears throat> even in, a, in our own separate branch from there. So, um, oh man, it's cool. You know, I think it's a good, uh, functional fitness is a really, really cool community. And for us probably too, just because we sort of came through the, the years of 2011 and now, it's 
cool to kind of have seen that whole um, period of time and, and all the changes and progress that has been made and now look around and be like, okay, well, all these people that were on the scene or weren't on the scene, like, what are they doing? And, mm. you know, for me, it's obviously, this is it, you know, like I'm trying to um, express uh, the same, <clears throat> the same uh, chase or, or progress and the goals that I had once as an athlete um, in, the f in the form of coaching, um, you know, fitness enthusiasts, athletes, um, scholastic and collegiate and in fitness. And, um, and also your, you know, general population fitness and trying to show them, you know, how that, uh, if they can just understand what alignment is relative to what they want, um, that there's a plan for them out there and, uh, and some good coaching as well. So, you know, that, that part for me is like really rewarding and that's all inter intertangled because if I didn't have those experiences as an athlete or as a coach with you guys in the past or, um, you know, the opportunity to learn from everything, uh, I wouldn't be here and, looking around at like who's competing on the scene is like, it's, it's almost completely different now. Right. And yeah. maybe we're the second generation of that in, in some fashion, but, um, it's cool either way. Super cool. What do you ever feel like, cause it's how I feel. And I'm sure this is the same deal with any sport or any sort of like anything you're teaching or coaching. You're trying to coach in a way, take all the shit that you, all the mistakes you made and try to like eliminate as many as possible for the people that you're coaching. And I feel like that's, I don't know if anybody listening is aware of exactly what OPEX is. We can get into that, but I feel like that is kind of the evolution of training and fitness and OPEX specifically is trying to get, take all the mistakes we made, you know, when we were just yeah showing up and going for it and trying to put a little bit, you know, I think that's almost like the essence of like a good educator or a good coach. Um, you know, how did we get to where we are? And make no mistake, we, the three of us probably at this table have, have years to go and miles to go, right, in, in what we're actually trying to accomplish. Um, for anything we have accomplished, I think to look at it from the spectrum of, you know, not even just the coaches we've had, go back and, you know, I think about being a kid and playing sports and, you know, my dad having a huge role in that as a coach and just sort of shaping me into who I am today as a man and kind of how I view things. and like any coach or like any relationship there there's even mistakes like riddled within that as to what worked what didn't work um and then you as <clears throat> as the athlete sort of take those things and you realize hey I was doing this this way for that period of time or or there were things that I think my dad tried to get through that uh you know from his end worked for him but they weren't working for me um and then we would work together and, and like I would try to figure out what that was so um, you know, you can scale that up almost at any degree, whether it's any football coach I had or any fitness coach, like, you know, different individuals react to different things. Um, and then you take it as, a, as an athlete and what you're going to learn. And if you are pursuing the, you know, career of coaching um, in any capacity, for me, it's obviously fitness and, um, you know, related to getting people prepared for sport or life or their goal, um, whatever that may be. Yeah, I would say 100%. And I don't, I don't know if that encapsulates, uh, you know, ultimately, and I know we'll talk more about this, but I don't know if that encapsulates ultimately what, what OPEX is. But I think as a, just on an individual level, if you want to, you know, I, I believe there are certain characteristics and qualities that make um, a coach great. And you don't have to know everything. Uh, but to your point, Ty, you know, I think that one of those qualities is to, learn from your own experience and be able to apply relative to the individual that you're working with. And more importantly, like say this all the time, like you said, keep like you said, like simplify, 
you know, so like strip it down, keep like keep peeling it back, keep peeling it back. And, uh, you know, honestly, the more success that I have with people is, is, is usually um, generated around some sim simple uh, principles based training. And I think I really do think that more and more that like the uh, quote unquote community and all that stuff is getting back to that. I do people. I do think people believe that, but like, <clears throat> there's also look, man. There's a lot of bullshit like out there, on all on all frequencies. And I think at the end of the day, like, you gotta have, you know, you gotta have a coach who uh, has some experience. You have a coach who, um, and this this isn't just speaking like for me. Like, if I'm getting a coach, this is what you want: somebody who's experienced, somebody who cares and has empathy, um, like to to the highest degree. Mm -hmm. um, somebody who's gonna have your back, and then you know, more or less, somebody who is principles based in their approach. Because there's kind of like principles and philosophy. And it's like, if you blindly follow a philosophy, that's cool, it can yield some success. But at the same time, what are the principles that uh, could also just be super simple? It, it, you, I'm, I know both of you guys have experience with this, but it's as simple as you know taking somebody and put them into a weight training program and trying to follow three by five for 52 weeks. You know what I mean? And creating variance within that. And you know, we, we're sitting in a room of, of uh, clients or, or people who are interested in getting stronger, you know, who, who know something, uh, who, are, who have maybe exercised before or done some type of linear strength progression, you know, it's, it's only a handful of them that are gonna like smile and be like, yep, that's where it is. Like, um, and you know, you, you, you spin it up any way you want, but the bottom line is um, being able to take somebody and um, you know, what is it? Is it some type of magic within the program? Um, or is it essentially what that coach knows or what the program, uh, program's essence is rather relative to like the principles that it's based around? And um, you know, what's your level of commitment and dedication to the work? Because if we can add you know, a couple pounds to that three by five every so often, um, or as often as your adaptation allows, at the end of 52 weeks, you, know, you might have just put on yeah. a whole lot of weight to your back mm -hmm. squat, one rep or five rep or whatever it is. So, like you said, it's it's keeping things simple. It's the basics, but you got to have you got to have that raw experience to understand it. Not everybody who's a good athlete is a good coach. Not everybody mm -hmm. who's a good coach was a good athlete. Mm -hmm. um, but the bottom line is, like you know, Ty, we <clears throat> obviously practice this when we're here. It's like if you're going to give something to somebody, then you know you 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 should have done it or you should have mm -hmm. known what it feels yeah, like. Yeah, you got to try so. it at least. I think. Uh I mean, the thing you said there a couple times is a big thing to me. I, it's a relative taking whatever you know and applying it relative to the individual. I, there's a lot of philosophies out there or, or coaches in any sport where they do things one way. And it's like, if you don't fit this mold, you're just not going to be successful with that coach mm -hmm. just because that's the way they do things. But trying to be relative to the individual, I think, is the real kind of like a, one of the big tells of a good coach is being able to do that. It's not, not being stuck in your ways saying the athlete has to conform to your method, but being able to adapt and treat everybody differently. Yeah, I agree with that too. I think coaches, they're the best coaches are, seem to be jacks of all trades. You know, you're well-rounded, you're able to be versatile and show empathy in different ways to different types of athletes. Because like I was saying, everybody's going to train on an individual basis, right? And like to Cody's point, it is up to the person who's getting coached to like, buy into what their coach is doing. But if your coach is being stringent on, this is how I do things, this is how it's gonna go, and this is what you're gonna do, then how are you gonna buy into them anyway? You know, so what comes first? Do you think it's up to the coach to lay that down, or do you think it's the athlete to be aware of what they're going after? Yeah, I, th I think that there is a, 
I mean, again, it, it obviously depends. If we're talking about CrossFit, then I agree wholeheartedly. I think it's like jack of all trades. You got to have the experience. But in your um, in what you're saying, you know, there's probably um, some more stringent examples out there of somebody with the with um, you know the, the like with the success that they've created for other people, right? With the results. Um, that can say, hey, listen, you know, if you say you want to win the uh, Olympics in bobsled and I'm the guy who's getting all the Olympic gold medals, then like you better fucking fall into line or what do you want from me? Right. right. So I do think you have to be sort of masculine in that sense and draw that line um, when there are times. But like you said, it's it's uh, how do you get to that point is like and how somebody's going to buy in is you got to develop trust with the individual. And I think that's the part sometimes that gets so missed. And that's where you know, back again to circle back to it, maybe <clears throat> more or less the, the OPEC side of things, especially it's like there are, you know, there are a million uh, online programs that exist for people to follow. Right. And they're a hell of a lot cheaper than what I charge here. But and that's cool. And people will have success with those. There's no doubt about it. But the relationship component that is created by having your own coach um, is the separator and it kind of always will be. Right? It's not just the actual, the act of coaching or the eyes that get on you. It's the, um, it's the trust that has to be developed. It's the willingness to be vulnerable when you um, feel weak or tired or I'm not sure, you know, this, that. So having that person that can uh, build your trust and engage with you on that level is going to be the thing that helps that person buy in because, um, you know, obviously empathy is great and people got to know you care. But they've also got to trust you to the point where there are times where that conversation is in, in their difficult times is going to be, hey, it's OK, take a breath, do this. And that's on the, the softer side. There's also times where it needs to be, yo, check in and get it get it done. And um, and people need you're not being mean. People need that. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it could be something like cueing somebody in a lift on the floor. It could be something like, uh, you know, how many football coaches that I've had on the sideline where there's melee. And I, I mean, I know you can write this, but it's like, you know, sometimes every now and then you need a great coach who knows you so well that they understand, you know, what your um, attitude and approach needs to be and where your mindset has to be to be successful on the field. And if they see you out of that rhythm, they, they can pull you right into it, right, with a look or with uh, just a quick statement. And the people that are most effective at that um, – are the ones who, uh, again, the overarching concept is that they know the person. Two is um, that they've built the trust with that individual to begin with, and that they understand the moments when it's time to be, um, when it's time to be tough, or when it's time to really let them know you're there. Mm -hmm. And I think so. You know, to that extent, how do you get somebody to buy in? You got to everything is everything is trust and making sure that the the why is aligned. From there, as you keep stacking the days on showing them experience, showing, showing through your coaching that when they're willing to, be, uh, willing to be a little bit vulnerable and try the things that you need them to try and they get out of that comfort zone, um, that they can trust that you're going to make sure that they learn or that it's okay or, um, you know, they, like they're not going to feel like uh, embarrassed or like, the, you know, they, oh man, I finally rolled the dice and tried this and now you're like fucking yelling at me for mm -hmm. it, right? And I had a lot of coaches growing up that were like that, right? It's like trying to drive you to get the most out of you. And that is like good, right? You, you need that in some of those situations, especially on a football field. Um, but then at the same time, <clears throat> those same guys that at times would be like, fellas, if you're going to make a mistake, make it going 100 miles an hour. And you would do that 
and you'd be doing all the right shit and then you get your ass chewed for it anyway, right? Mm -hmm. um, is that bad? No, does that shape people? For sure, you know, it's like all about your resiliency and how much you can take and if you're willing to come back. So, you know, there, there's some good things in that moment too, but as far as the learning, what does that reinforce? That, that, that might make you question next time when you're unsure about what step to take or mm -hmm. who to block or whatever it is. So, um, you know, I had, a really, I had a really good coaching staff my senior year of college and, um, you know, everybody was on, on the same page and, uh, you know, particularly we had a new offensive coordinator and, you know, going back to the basics, man, it was really simple. Uh, you know, up to that point, we were in a system where you really felt like you didn't want to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. And that can be like the worst thing for an athlete because if you're, man, if, if you're thinking you're slow, you know, mm -hmm. or if you're thinking you're dead kind of thing, and yeah. uh, it, it, it's, it paralyzes you in, in certain moments. And, um, you know, when he came on board, he really acknowledged that just across uh, our entire culture. And he made it a lot of fun for us um, to be on the field, to be going 100 miles an hour. And, um, you know, when you, when you start playing in that flow state, man, good things happen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's a great dude. He's, uh, he, since, has, speaking of him, he just, uh, he's the head coach at Muhlenberg College uh, up in Allentown area. And nice. they, just, uh, they just went to the Elite Eight in the Na Division Three National uh, playoffs this year so oh, it's like that, that guy man like everything he touches is gold you know what I mean and he cool. that's his first year taking over that program and you know you, you can see the correlation where when he has that success I'm like you know speaking of what a coach is it's like having gone through that and that experience he shaped me as a coach in terms of how I communicate to people um, and sort of when to when to push on somebody and when to let them know like hey listen shake it off and move forward Right. And you can be masculine in that sense. You don't have to be like, it's OK, Timmy. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's going to get a trophy anyway. It's like um, it, there's there's something about having the trust built that you can look somebody in the eye and say, look, shake it off. Like, yeah, you fucked up. Right. Shake it off. Move forward because you got something else coming your way. And when you start learning that and being able to, you know, really get that through to people. How many people that you guys have worked with, you know, miss a lift or um, something in the gymnastics or, or something like that? And like it's like the end for them because they're in this atmosphere where everybody's staring at them and um, judging them and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and then they're afraid. And it, whether it's real or not to them, that's the perspective. And they've got to have that anchor point as, uh, as you as the individual or you as the coach who can say, hey, look, man, we've all been here before, right? And uh, this is nothing new. And I'm, I'm glad you tried this. And here's what went well. Let's see if we can fix what didn't go well and get you on, you know, whatever, in the lift or yeah. in, the, in the movement. I, I love really, that. Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I was going to say, I, you remind me of a coach that I had in high school and stuff, and I just, the kind of thought of a coach being like that person who can find the balance of being a hard ass but being empathetic, but I always like to think of them as like, uh, the phrase molder of men comes to mind and it's men just because that's the phrase like it can be just anybody who's being taught by somebody else like you want that person and if you are that person you have that responsibility and it's kind of this cool relationship that you can develop that's like you see that person grow you put trust into them and then you fucking when you're on the field like yeah you want to you know get make big plays <clears throat> that kind of stuff but you're doing it because you're you want to like make your coach proud you want to make your family proud you want to do things for other people and I think those are the best coach, coaches the ones that like empower you to you know be an individual but also like you know they you know you're part of a team you know you're backed up yeah it's an yeah. art form man it's, it's it the really balance is. relationship building managing all that sort of stuff it's a balance man mm -hmm. so what um so now that we've talked about OPEX 
a couple of times. Like, how do you describe that? How would you how would you describe that to somebody who doesn't know what that is? What OPEX is? Yeah, what OPEX is. Yeah, so uh, OPEX Fitness is personalized fitness or personalized fitness training. Um, every client that we have comes in, you know, we our starting point is that trust development, right? Um, and so much like any kind of, you know, old school gym, you know, type uh, facility, we have, you know, a lot of space, open space, and, um, you know, we, we practice a lot of functional movements with um, our clients. And so what's nice is we get to meet them on day one and really sit down and have the conversation around, you know, what exactly is the reason that they came here looking for fitness? Why would, why would they come to OPEX? Um, and so that concept of what personalized training really is, is uh, kind of a, a hybrid of what personal training is, but being able to offer it to an, to an individual for uh, a really affordable cost relative to what you're gonna get with a personal trainer. And in my opinion, obviously I'm biased, but in my opinion, I feel like we deliver more. Um, than having your own personal trainer because you don't have to operate off my schedule. You don't have to, um, you know, come to a class time or anything like that or, or when it's like semi-private. Um, and then furthermore, you know, you get ongoing support in nutrition and lifestyle and an actual plan across that. Um, you get that fitness uh, plan designed exclusively for you and, and for your goals. Um, and like I said, I mean, from a cost standpoint, like what I always talk about is this, right? Like um, OPEX is kind of unique in the, in the sense of, um, a lot of people talk about individualization, but what it turns out to be is like a lot of templates. And like, you know, people come into the gym and it's like, here's your, here's your workout for the day. Like it wasn't printed out in mass um, quantity. You know, what we do is um, <clears throat> we use a platform called True Coach, which once was Fitbot, mm -hmm. um, but it recently switched to True Coach. And True Coach is great. It allows us to, to deliver programming online to our people um, so that they can have it ahead of time and come in when it's, uh, you know, fitting to their schedule and, um, you know, complete their session. That's the custom programming side. As you come in, um, you're going through your session, you're going to work with myself or anyone on, on, this, on the team here uh, while you're on the floor. So you're getting that one-on-one um, -on -one coaching um, in like a really – really cool living, breathing setting. You know, like um, the last few Saturdays, man, have just been so great. And, um, you know, you have anywhere from, you know, we're open eight to noon. So you have anywhere from, I don't know, 12 to 18 people at times uh, on the floor um, executing programs designed exclusively for them. And then they're working with myself, my head coach, Greg, um, any number of our other staff who are on site um, kind of going through what they need. So. You know, to, what we want to do is try to help educate our clientele and teach them, so they can put a little bit of uh, put a little bit of onus on them, um, so that they have these skills developed for the course of their life. So, if somebody comes in with absolutely no experience, you know, we sit down, we talk about the why, we talk about goals, um, we go into nutrition um, and and lifestyle. And for the most part, we're not really shoving anything on anyone. We're trying to figure out what's going on with them today, and then we take that next step. Um, little by little, right? Because if you sit down with somebody who's just coming into fitness around the new year and they say, you know, I want to lose 30 pounds. And you're like, well, just eat this way. And then like you guys high five <laughs> and like how fucking long does that work, right? And uh, I can tell you the amount of people that I've, I've, you know, had that conversation with. And, 
you know, you're trying to do the best you can with them. You know, I don't blame anybody for doing that. Um, but it's really hard without that. Not even everybody says accountability, but just without that relationship and that follow-up. You know, accountability and a relationship are kind of two different things. Uh, I can tell you what to do, and I can call you once a week and say, hey, you doing it? And you can be like, yep, I'm doing it. And then, like, how long does that last? Go back to the initial point, right? When you come to OPEX, um, you have an individual who cares greatly about your success and is willing to put the time and effort in um, to building the relationship and the trust that is required um, for you to both have success on the side of reaching your fitness goals, but also to turn this thing into a lifestyle uh, and as, as cliche as that sounds, right, it's like everybody on the face of the planet says that, you know, what is a lifestyle? Well, a lifestyle here is that people, um, they understand why they're showing up to do what they do, right? If you think about that concept and what has been kind of bastardized across fitness in the last 10 years is like churn and burn, get them in, dose them high and, you know, kick them out. And it's like, that shit's great. Um, it gives, it gives people results, um, you know, in the first 18 months. And then there's a hell of a lot of things that change with, um, both how their body responds and, um, additionally what they can sustain over time. So, you know, by no means am I saying that people don't need to push or people don't need to work hard, right? We love that. Like a, a vast majority of our clientele are people who come in who played sports in their past or have some sort of like training background or that's why I call them fitness enthusiasts. Like they're people who, who like fitness, who care about it, who, you know, have made it like maybe it was a part of their life and, you know, life happens and they have a kid or they haven't done something. So they're coming back into it from that. Or maybe they're just looking in a shift, right, in model or what they're doing. And, um, you know, us being able to really sit down and dig in on what's important to them and ask the right questions, that shit is like, like bypass, like, <laughs> you know, it's it, like we just completely forgot about that. Like, you know, Susie walks into your gym and it's like, hey, I'd like to try this stuff. And you're like, great, sign up. Here you go. Start with this. And mm -hmm. uh, or, or how'd you hear about it? And they're like, my friend. And you're like, that's mm -hmm. awesome. And I, I get it, man. People got to make a living. So, you know, as much as this is uh, a passion and fulfillment, it's like you got to sell and you got to make money as a business owner and as a coach. But um, at the same token, I feel like there's not a single model, not a single um, coach or not a single client that wouldn't benefit from, you know, that stage in terms of uh, having those conversations, asking the right questions. From there, you know, and, and when I say the right questions, I mean like <clears throat> as simple as I want to lose weight and why, right? Why, why is that a goal of yours? Um, to... You know, uh, I was, I can just remember 10 years ago, I was in the best shape of my life and, you know, nothing I'm doing now um, shapes that. And you ask the right questions around that. And you're like, well, what does that mean to you? You know, because best shape of your life, best shape of my life, best shape of your, it's all different. Um, and people start to, people start to draw some descriptors around what the hell fitness actually is to them. Um, and man, it, you guys know it changes, you know what I mean? Like five years ago, I would have had a, a real easy six sentence answer that would have been, or six word answer that would have been like the be all end all of everything. And the truth is, is that's just not it. And, uh, I lived through that and learned a ton from it, but you know, you move across the board and you grow as a human. And, uh, what I realized is like at this stage of my life, fitness has changed. Um, and I, you know, fitness to me has a totally dif different definition 
than what it did back then. So if you ask those people, um, a lot of what I gather is that it's not necessarily about training the same way that they did back then. A lot of those people are, let's say they're in their 40s or 50s and they're like, well, you know, I was playing in this men's league two nights a week and I was like, you know, because I played, I played college soccer and I was playing in a men's league a couple nights a week. And then around that I was, you know, going and lifting. I had a trainer and we were working out four days a week. And, you know, all of a sudden, like you're putting all these pieces together and you're like, but you didn't have a family then and you weren't working mm -hmm. this. And they're like, it's like hitting them, right? Like they know that. But so <clears throat> if you don't stop to ask that, you know, you're catching them at 45 you don't know what the hell they're even talking about, but you're just drawing your own conclusions around what's fitness to them. And you're like squats and it's bench and it's like all this mm -hmm. shit. So then, uh, you know, you peel that, you start to peel that away for them and make them realize what it is. And, you know, the commonalities that I see is that people, especially our clientele, are they're, every, everybody's looking for a feeling. Like they're searching for a feeling. And, um, you know, it took me a while to kind of figure that out. And I think that you know, there are people who come into this at OPEX who have no prior knowledge and, you know, we're just here to service them in terms of uh, getting them some good habits, some good rhythm built um, in their lifestyle and trying to get them moving, you know, for X amount of period of time, uh, X amount of days a week. So if it's like, you know, hey, you do absolutely nothing, you're coming from no background, let's uh, just get some really base principle work in for you and let's do it uh, two to three times a week. You know, the other side of the spectrum, and it's somebody who's kind of like a go-hard, right? But you know, as the coach, like, you're looking out for their best interest, and you're probably like, all right, look, in my head, I just heard, like, you were running 45 miles a week. Um, you were playing, you know, in some type of men's league when you felt your most fit, um, and then you were lifting with a personal trainer, and then, like, you also did, like, Muay Thai on the side, right? Like, so you're trying to, like, without, without like, saying to them, like, Duh, you can't do that now, right? <laughs> Yo, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, without saying that, I think what you have to do is um, just put it into perspective and realize, okay, listen, so we know that that's unrealistic in terms of what you're going to be able to commit to on a weekly basis. Plus, you know, if we're being honest, there's probably like a, you're probably doing a hell of a lot more than like your body can handle. Um, does it mean you need to go into some like geriatric fitness program? Absolutely not. But uh you know, ultimately, can we get some good habits developed on the lifestyle side and the nutrition side? And can we get you, you know, consistent around what you like to do? And that might still be, you know, squatting and, squatting and benching heavy, you know, and uh, doing some gymnastic base movements like strict pull-ups and um, stuff that recreates the feeling that they once had when they're talking about when they were being, they were the fittest they've ever been. You know, so, you know, the simple answer to you, Ty, is that OPEX is personalized fitness training. You know, what do you get when you get here? You, you get a, a professional coach who's got your back um, and who's willing to put the time in to build a relationship rather than just give you shit to do. Um, you got a flexible schedule. You got ongoing nutritional support, um, you know, and you've got an affordable rate uh, because to get that anywhere else on that individualized concept with somebody who knows something um, in a personalized fashion is five days a week is gonna cost you two grand. So, yeah. um, at least, <laughs> so I don't, I, that's what I'm saying, man. I, I don't think people truly necessarily understand that, um, yet, but I think it's, um, I think it's really coming around and people are starting to see the value. And of course they're seeing the results as well uh, in terms of what our, our clients have done. And, um, you know, that, that's the simple answer 
the real answer is what I'm talking about, right? It's, right, it's right, going right. to, it's what you alluded to earlier. It's going to all ends of uh, the spectrum to figure out what you don't know as a coach or what the client doesn't know um, coming into, you know, fitness relative to their goals and making sure that you can get them aligned with it and make sure that, um, you know, whatever it is from a training standpoint, like if, if you don't have that knowledge or education to help them, you know, so somebody walks in tomorrow and they, <clears throat> I don't know, they have a sports specific goal. They want to do the Highland games, you know, um, I'm going to have to do a little bit of research, obviously, as a coach, right? Mm -hmm. I could easily, you know, puff my chest and, you know, uh, take the ego type road that a lot of fitness coaches do right now and say, well, fucking, I went to the CrossFit Games two fucking years. Like, I know how to get somebody fit. You know, that shit has nothing to do with anything, right? It's like, I got to learn what the demands of sport are. I got to figure out if I can actually service this person to help them. Um, and then I got to call my resources, right? Like, I got to call the people who help me. Um, I got to call the people that I've worked with who know more about that spectrum. Um, mm. You know, it's the same thing. It's like I have a, a client here right now who's, um, you know, who's looking to train with us to do a solo row um, 5K in the fall. And mm. the first person that I think of is uh, a mutual friend of ours who um, spent some time, you know, doing some rowing and uh, at, a, at an Olympic level and uh, has done a fantastic feat of like rowing a boat with one other person across the entire Pacific Ocean from California to Hawaii. So I'm like, mm, yeah. maybe I'll give her a call. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so it's, it's, you gotta be, <clears throat> you gotta be married to the game and you have to understand that like, you're not going to know everything, but that's all right. You can still get results for people because at the end of the day, man, it's, it's, it's basics. You mm. know, it's not like you don't have to go Kung Fu Ninja program. It's like, I'll tell you what will help that rower uh, at least to get her started. And I'll figure out the rest of it in terms of what energy system training I need to input and, and uh, from a mechanical standpoint, how I can help her. And if I hit a point in the road where I can't help her in those certain categories, I'm going to continue to do what I do and stay in my lane and do that best. And I'm gonna make sure that she has access to those resources as well because um, that's what we owe our, our clients, you yeah. know? Yeah, I mean, you know, head coaches have offensive coordinators for a reason mm -hmm. you know they have defensive coordinators for a reason so I think to your point Cody being able to check your ego at the door as a coach and say hey you know I don't really fucking know how to row a 5k <laughs> I don't know what to do there you know I'll figure that out or I'll do the best that I can but I'll be a good coach and find a resource for you and that's how you're being a good coach by letting somebody else step in let the expert expert do the work you know um you go into a little bit of like the lifestyle aspect that you guys focus on do you notice any patterns with people coming in like what seems to be what's going on what's like the pulse on just the general population and fitness and stuff that you guys notice yeah, um, I think, like I said, man, I think there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of bullshit that exists. And um, I don't even mean that in any kind of like <clears throat> malicious tone. I just think like we all live in it and it's about um, trying to sort out, you know, really what's what. Mm -hmm. And so I'll, I'll speak to that kind of in a specific example. You yeah, know, like, like what? Like, you know, we're like, all friends, um, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't even think any of it's offensive. I just I look around, I see certain things. Right. So if you. Um, you know, just because you hang a sport specific training on your wall, right, or your sign, it's like, well, what exactly really are you doing, you know? Um, and I see, yeah, I see <laughs> like, I see, you know, it's, it's a community and a culture that we, we kind of all follow each other in some different, um, 
you know, accounts even on Instagram or whatever that, you know, you can kind of see. And sometimes those are valuable resources. And then sometimes you look at what's going on and you're like, what the hell is this, right? And so, you know, just, just one like singular example is like, I can't, you know, how many, how many accounts and um, things you see? It's like pe coaches like to post um, the things that are sexy because they mm -hmm. get attraction. And that's fine. That's yeah. fine, right? I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not bashing that because you have to develop your brand and produce content. Um, but like, you know, I'll tell you what wins in collegiate and scholastic sport. And that is, um, being bigger, faster, and stronger than your competition. And so I've seen this trend of like, you know, from an athletic standpoint or, or like a field sport type situation where I've seen this trend where it's like all this fancy shit, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like all mm -hmm. these mixtape videos of people doing like some like, I don't know, like this ladder work into like throwing a tennis ball, like back and forth to like, like a juggling. coach and like <laughs> yeah. doing a fucking cartwheel. And you're like, um, first and foremost, um, this is not what's happening on a daily basis. Yes. I see some of the, the sports specific like correlation here, but, um, you know, honestly, the, the, the truth is, is that athlete that's in that video, um, either, either like it's just like some shit, right? Which is sometimes the case or like that's like a specific like that's like a fraction piece of like what they're doing mm -hmm. in a given day and what their training regimen is and um you know the athletes the parents of these athletes run to facilities that you know exude that and um you know what i think about is like what was i doing to get ready for sports my whole life you know what mm -hmm. i mean it's like I was like getting my ass in the weight room. I was banging weights. I was um, getting after it in terms of like, you know, going out with a couple of buddies and doing some sprints and hill work. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, again, like very fortunate to have some good direction around that and have some coaches that um, would help us out. But then at the same time, like there was no fancy, like you walk outside in August, it's hot as shit. You find a hill with your buddy. You're like, yo, you want to sprint up this thing? They're like, hell yeah, I want to sprint up this thing. And then, <laughs> There's something to and that, And then you man. get it, that's right? Perfect, and um, what that is, fellas, is that's, that's principles. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. again, can you, can you create some good linear stuff around that? Yeah, we were kids. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing, but we were going we to go out and we were going to grind. I look around the, the, the spectrum now and I see that stuff and it's just like, people buy into that shit so much because their kid, little Susie, is running uh, on, a, on a strip of turf with a uh, parachute, and you're like, mm -hmm. little Susie doesn't have the actual power or speed output to appropriately get the dose response that a coach is looking for relative to this drill. So, <laughs> cool, that shit looks awesome, but like, how about we get her some power mm -hmm. and teach her how to squat, yep. you know? Um, and I just think there are so many uh, scholastic, collegiate, uh, even professional, maybe, uh, athletes who miss the boat on that because uh, they're not spending the right, the they're not spending their time training in the right uh, modalities in order to, and they don't have the guidance, of course, but in order, or the appropriate guidance to achieve that max genetic potential or, or, or max athletic potential um, in those given scenarios. And that's just like a sport example, right? Mm -hmm. You can you can dial that back to I don't know, general fitness in some in some uh, scenarios. You can talk about CrossFit games with that um, and how many times like the progression of people like just uh, again like 
walk into walk into a gym and it's like what comes first like figuring out somebody's deficiencies around absolute strength and uh conditioning or fran right it's like fran comes first so um again that ain't that ain't me coming at at crossfit that's me looking at it from a principle basis because the truth is i love crossfit um it's a very close to my heart sport that i uh, competed in for years um, and I still love to watch it and see the ridiculous abilities of these athletes and how they go. But when you come down to a smaller level, um, it's just, uh, like I said, that's, that's the greater cloud of bullshit, you mm-hmm. know, relative to my experience and what I know, right? So I'm sure the same shit goes on in LA Fitness, the same thing in, you know, Bob's Boot Camp and this training place and Orange Theory and all this stuff. But, um, you know, what I think we got to do as coaches is be able to sift through that to your to your answer your question, Casey, what comes through um, and what's kind of like the trend or whatever you want to say in, in terms of the clients that we get. Um, you know, our, our clients are our clients are the best, man. I mean, <laughs> dude, they're I'm so um, I'm so lucky that like uh, whatever it is, <laughs> whatever it is that draws those types of people to this place. Um, we've been really fortunate because people are, you know, they're, they're serious about why they come in, you know, and it's like, I know I got a lot of magnetism to performance. Um, you know, it's like there, there's always like a difference in clientele in varying gyms. I know you've been in different gyms, like mm-hmm. you've coached in certain gyms and you came to explode in the heyday when it was like, you know, like throw down city. Right. That and that was like fucking awesome, by the way. That but, was cool. Yeah. But, uh, the point is like, I know a lot, there was a lot of people um, who like will avoid certain gyms with certain stigmas around mm-hmm. them, like competitors' gyms and that kind of stuff because, you know, they feel like, oh, I'm going to stay over here. Mm-hmm. Or think like Westside Barbell, and I know that's like invite only, whatever, but I'm just saying like there's, like there's like big, tough, strong gyms out there who have that like staple down point and are producing results. Um, at the same time, like I, like I said, I will be magnetized uh, to that based on my experience and really just like kind of what ignites me as a person, you know, um, and this OPEX has given me the opportunity as a coach to expand the horizon around who I get to train and how I get to train them. Right. So like the beauty of what I get to do is like, we're not pigeonholed to anybody. Like if you want to be that rower that comes in here, that's looking for, you know, 11 months out being able to attack this goal, like we got you. Um, and if you want to be that crossfitter that is uh six years away from achieving maybe an opportunity to go to an event at a sanctioned level um but you're understanding you're uh, you're like awake to that concept of where you sit on the spectrum due to your age and training age and biological age um and how we're going to help you along the way um we can do that too so that part for me is the one of the best parts the people that come in a lot of times they they've had they've had another stepping stone and it's not, um, it's not that we don't have people that come in with no prior fitness background. Um, literally, we had a guy just get started the other day. Um, phenomenal athlete. What I mean by phenomenal athlete is just like adaptability, very high. You know when you get that, mm-hmm. that intro starter and the person moves like, yeah. it really, like, it really wakes squats. you up to <laughs> what like a high level athlete is. Um, and this guy has some uh, professional level soccer uh, in his background and just uh, hasn't been uh, part of a gym like in his life because he was always playing in leagues and just kind of like training around the team. 
And so this is kind of his first gym ever, you know, but that's like that's sort of, too. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and you know, you can see him just, uh, picking it up and you know, what are we doing? Do you think because I, do you think because I heard him say that he played professional soccer that like, I just rolled it out to him and was like, here you go, dog. Here's, I want you to max your back squat. I want you to do Murph times three with a three minute rest between. Right. Mm. It's like, <laughs> We yeah. did. We did rest ours. Ty's yep. <laughs> rest day. <laughs> Murph. Time. <laughs> Three Murphs. Uh, <laughs> Three Murphs. <laughs> triple Murph. <laughs> Last year was triple unders. This year, triple Murph. Oh, man. All right, but anyway, so. <laughs> no, nah, so right. Funny. So what do we do with them? We uh, mm. we do the same. We do the assessment. The same assessment. Um, that we need to do for everyone who is coming in and evaluating how they move. Now, every assessment is actually a little bit different, right? Because uh, it's progressive, like our program. So you have to kind of demonstrate A to get to B. Um, and then all that stuff is good data for us. It explains to us where you sit and, uh, you know, relativity to the goals. The, the other point is, like, he's not playing professional soccer anymore. He's just trying to be fit, you know? Um, and what is fitness to him? Okay, well, this is the feeling and this is what it... Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, again, wind it back, go back to that exact situation. I was f like lucky to, you know, understand our system, um, in a way that takes people, meets them where they are today and tries to move the needle on it, uh, over time. But like put that, put that same person, um, put that same person in the wrong hands or somebody who doesn't understand this shit that way. And, uh, there's a lot of bullshit that gets created around it. And all of a sudden it's like a fucking... Yeah, bro, it's, uh, yeah, you played a professional sport, like, I'm training this guy. Like, mm. you know, they want to throw everything there is to throw at them and beat the fuck out of them. And, um, you know, I, I heard a podcast the other day with, uh, I think it was Stan Efferding was on it, and he says, uh, stimulate, don't annihilate. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's such a, that, that rings true so much. So what do you need to do with the general fitness clients is, uh, you know, keep them moving, keep them healthy, and keep them stimulated. They don't need to walk out of your gym feeling like they just got hit by a fucking Mack truck, you know? Um, and again, that's like your principles mm -hmm. and what you believe in. Yeah. So Ego. Yeah. Coach's ego. Yeah, right. you, uh, you alluded to something there earlier, talking about like fancy shit, you know, people juggling balls and shit. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, Which, by the way, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see that at the CrossFit Games. They had a softball throw. I don't know. Can Listen, you if juggle? you're training for a fucking circus, then it <laughs> works. But if you're not, then... I, I was in juggle. juggling club in I middle school, actually. I bet you were, Panama my Red. Game, dog. Yeah. <laughs> Could you, were you good, did you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I can, can juggle. Yeah. I can juggle. Like those sticks, too, the dragon sticks. or I don't know if they're called dragon sticks. I could like not. The Chinese I never got juggling that. sticks. You ever get that on that? I had those. That yo-yo thing? Could you throw them up in the air? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see you now yeah. fucking in your yard with your bare feet on just like Hula some type of yeah, some fire type. there's like fire going on <laughs> some oh. sticks throwing them up in the air and the did you yeah, the did, did, yeah did with you the didgeridoo oh, hands down dude that's my zone that's Yo. fitness motherfucker that yeah. you, like all this fancy stuff that's grinding well that's what I'm saying no, but maybe what, that is your what shit. I'm saying is I was listening to this podcast the other day uh, Barstool Sports Are you familiar with them at all they have a bunch of different types of sports content Excuse out there <clears throat> and they have this new podcast called The Core C-O-R-P and it's hosted by the, the main Barstool guy. I think his name is Big Cat. Did you just say the word corp? 
<laughs> but he said core. No, it, it's core, bro. I thought I heard it's that core. too. He, but said, the P he is said core and then he said C O R P. Yeah. 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 Wait, the That's P is, is silent? All right, for, okay. <laughs> I was like, mm, okay. Ty. Corpse. <laughs> The Coors. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Cor- sorry. Sorry. Go ahead, man. I thought I yeah. yeah Hold I on. Like, the the core. <laughs> I couldn't focus on anything else you were saying. So I was like, oh, man. He just said that. He can't spell core, man. Yeah. All right. C-O-R-P. Core. Can't, can't even read good. Can't, can't even read good. Oh, man. Today. <laughs> but anyway, it's hosted by that dude and A-Rod. And they had... Um, they had Kobe Bryant on there and they were talking to Kobe Bryant about, you know, just like what he trained like in the past and how it was playing sports, you know, yep. with A-Rod and him going back and forth and then what they're both doing now because they're both out of sports. They're in the business world. They're doing different things, but, you know, they're trying to make a new life beyond sports and they're yep. talking about it. And uh, he just he, he mentioned, you know, seeing people online these days doing these crazy basketball drills, you know, where they're just going circus tricks right Mm. Uh, and he's like man when I teach my kids you know I teach them just the basics right here and we do it until they get it perfect and then we move on to the next step and then he said he said you know what was I doing when I was 12 when I was trying to play basketball he said I texted Mike Michael Jordan he was talking about and I said Mike what were you doing when you were 12 for basketball he said man I was playing baseball. <laughs> Man, I was playing baseball, right. So it's like yeah. you don't have to do all these fancy things. You don't have to take it that far. I mean, obviously the game evolves, yeah. and so you got to keep up with the trends to a degree if that's your, you know, if that's your end game is to be a professional athlete. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, know, people yeah. lose sight of, like, general adaptation, too. Like, what does a 12-year-old need to be doing? Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, every individual is different, so you can look at them from their, you know, age in terms of when you maybe want to start resistance training. But, like, um, I mean, look, look at it across the board. Like, look at uh, physical education right now and some of the constraints that they have. But, like, kids need to be chasing each other around, like, in a pseudo-structured mm-hmm. um, type of way and, like, being athletic and learning their body in space. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, I think there's some some good basic movement to that, to your point, is, like, what was Michael Jordan doing? He was playing baseball. He was being an athlete. He Mm -hmm. wasn't going to the next lacrosse camp at seven years old, um, just getting completely fucking burnt from having a stick in his hand. So, um, like I said, man, there's just a lot of pressure. There's a lot of politics. There's a lot of um, financial investment, I think, that parents um, put into kids Mm -hmm. at a young age and, like, power to them. Like, everybody wants the best for Mm -hmm. um, their kid in sport development. But I think the best kid or the best thing you can do uh, for a young athlete is teach them primal, primal movement patterns um, mm-hmm. and make sure that they have some good body awareness in space and, um, you know, practice running and making things very fun for them uh, while also getting some good, like, fundamental training accomplished. Um, and, of course, you know, movement and technique and, and neurological movement patterns are great. That's why I think... You know, if if you plan on, you know, utilizing Olympic lifts with a kid down the road, like obviously PVC training is, you know, paramount. And, um, you know, you still deal with that to this day with like grown up, grown men and women that come in and they're like, you know, they look at you like you got two heads when you tell them to do shit with a PVC pipe. And, um, and then they say like, oh, this is too light. That's why I can't do it. And you're like, well, mm-hmm. that's weird. Cause like, watch this shit, you know, and, uh, <laughs> You know, again, it's just because it's it's because it's inexperience, and um, a a coach who does not have the correct experience or 
um, maybe even the client's uh, best interest in mind, you know, is going to be the coach that jumps the gun too soon on the young athlete or jumps the gun on that uh, client and is like, yeah, fuck it, here's a 45-pound bar, go do overhead squats for time and, um, you know, or, or, you know, you continue to scale it up mm -hmm. relative to the movement. So um, <clears throat> he's absolutely right. I think the more you read into uh, Kobe Bryant's story um, or if you guys have ever read the book Relentless, you'll understand that, um, you know, there's – Look at anybody who's had success, uh, you know, in their given field. It's it's like a, a beautiful marriage of the whole thing kind of being this reflection of like a whole lot of fucking hard work and dedication and doing the right things and putting the hours, the monotonous hours in on mm -hmm. those things. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like shooting foul shots. Um, you yeah, know. He said he would play people to 100. Yeah. And in high school, he would spot them 99. You would give him 99, yeah. play to 100. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. I love it. When well, you said that too, I've listened, I like uh, Donnie Shankle and like Cal Strength. Donnie Shankle, he says, you know, I Olympic lift. He said, I, I snatch and I clean and I jerk. And then I squat and deadlift sometimes. But like I fucking snatch, clean and jerk. Like it's an Olympic lift. That's what I'm going to do. Like yep. just get in and do it. And that repetitive perfection of the basics, I think, gets lost in a lot of this like Instagram bullshit, fancy, hey, look at me kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, and yeah. again, it's like you got, you can recognize, but you know, you got to figure like what, my question for Donnie Shankle would be what all the years prior leading up to that looked like, you know, like even before he got to that arrival in his thought processes, was he doing that from the time he was seven or was he playing a sport or was he doing this or did he wrestle? What was the story? Right. How did he learn that where did it come from um because the people need to know that right don't well, you think? i think he was just alluding to simplicity no, yeah yeah he was Listen, you're 100 right but i, I think when you talk about youth if, if we're going to talk about like kids and sports and stuff like those you you said it about this guy the soccer player who came in and you said he's a next level athlete because he's so adaptable right if you have your kid playing one fucking sport he's not adaptable He's not going to be a well-rounded athlete, and yeah. that's what's going to get you to the Division One school. That's what's going to get you to the NHL or the NFL or whatever yep. is when you're adaptable and you're well-rounded. And when's the best time to build functionality as a human being? It's when you're a fucking kid. Mm -hmm. Go play three sports. Go play four sports. Go do it. Run around. Yeah, figure it's, it's got to be in there that. somewhere. You yeah, know what I mean? At some point, you're going to specialize. Yeah. Like, because I do believe in that too. If I'm there's not saying something, don't, but when you're a kid, right, 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 do right. it all. Yeah, but in essence, I think, you know, again, I think me and you are saying the same thing. It's you a matter are, of, yeah. I think mm -hmm. that what even, and not just kids, like I think actually adults miss this more often, is that especially in, um, I feel so fucking old when I say like especially in today's world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like such a, anyway. You sound uh, old when you say it too, that's funny. I'm <laughs> sure I look old when I say it too. Um, you called us second generation cross, or like, yeah. I, when you said that, we're I like felt the second. Old, yeah, we're like, like the second generation to go oh, through. Oh no, we're it's a new generation we're now done. for sure. It is. Yeah. Oh, I, no, thought, it is. I thought you were getting back to something where we were gonna like come on the scene. I was like, come on, cuz. Yeah, everybody <laughs> likes a comeback. Tour. Well, that's fourth generation. You right now we're in third. Yeah. Well, me and Ty agreed a long time ago that what actually like Rich can have all those titles, but what actually makes you the fittest human like on the planet is like outliving all the other yeah, humans. Yeah, absolutely. So like, I'm just 100%. focused on trying to. Outlander, outlive all those guys I used to compete against and um just you know, don't be the slowest now right? who's got the medal <laughs> no I'm just kidding yeah just don't be slow <laughs> don't get don't get caught don't be slow 
Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I think a lot of times though, adults even like, uh, or people coming into training programs or somebody joining a gym or somebody coming here like, and it's tough because there's so much, that's what I was saying earlier, like there's just so much shit, like open your phone right now and roll through Instagram and tell me how many fucking mm -hmm. posts in the next 20 minutes, if you were to just scroll for 20 minutes, which is an eternity, that's how much shit <laughs> would be in your face about what somebody's doing, yeah. the, the day they're having, um, what type of training program they're doing now, how they're eating, you know, like uh, it's, it's fucking brutal, man. <laughs> and if you're, if you're, if you're not like the tool that, the, the leverage that we have is that we have some education around this stuff and some application. So, you know, what, what is left for the day-to-day -day gym goer to think, believe, you know, it's like if they don't have that relationship with their coach or they don't have somebody else who can put, draw a line in the sand and say, this is bullshit and this isn't, um, then, you know, they, they are going to hop around to all these different things and they're going to do RP one week and then paleo one week and not actually stick to anything. And they're going to, you know, start a, uh, what was the old one that we used to do? Like, uh, there was some Olympic, I'm going to do a catalyst Olympic strength cycle. Oh, yeah, and then yeah. I'm, I'm doing Invictus now. And like, it's just yeah. constant shit. Right. And then, uh, so <clears throat> it's this concept where if people understood, I think if people understood the history and the lineage behind the success, rather than constantly being subjected to the success, yeah, they might have a completely different perspective on it. And I'm, you know, everybody says like, well, yeah, then people never show their fails on Instagram. And like, that goes without saying, of course, we know that. But also, man, like when it comes to the successes that you see, you don't see the many successes that lead to that that are not celebrated because they're fucking boring. You know what I mean? You just don't see it. You don't see the person doing uh, back squats and just in a gym by them fucking selves and sweating and being tired and having a long day and it being their third session and oh by the way not having a fucking life at all not doing anything outside of their fitness and killing friendships that they have um, missing weddings you know making all these sacrifices that um, that person that that sees their life in some sort of fairy tale light just can't understand and um, I think that's the the biggest fallacy man that we all miss is like if you don't, if you don't know the person, you don't know how they got to from A to B. Um, there's so, there's so much of that puzzle that you miss, so you can't take everything that you see as it seems, um, mm -hmm. because there's a whole lot there. Even in that success video, that I'm glad that it inspires people, right? Like I'm all about that, um, and I got my heroes too, you know. But I think that people, it's so hard for us people. I'm talking about me too. Like we as a people, it's so hard for us to draw clear and distinct lines. Um, around those things as to what's real and what's not. And, um, and also like what the other factors that we can't see um, from the people that we follow and, and that we look at um, who are training, who we look up to, um, you know, what we can't see. And also like we all, none of us will ever understand why they're doing it good and bad, right? There's a lot of people out right. there that, that do shit for the wrong reasons and they do it really well. Um, but if, if you look closely, you can see the people and you can see their faces for the people who continue to do what they do and even do it well, but are like hollow. You mm. know what I mean? And that's, uh, that's troublesome at times. Man. Like you they're see selling that. something they don't believe in? Or like they're fucking training six times a day and they just like hate it. You know what I mean? Oh, I see. They're like still they, good at it. Yeah, they're, they're just, just like good as shit at it, it and yeah. they're just like still going, still grinding. Why yeah. am I doing this? But maybe their why wasn't... A, aligned in the first place you know what i mean maybe not so that's the that's the difficult part so 
we as uh, the outside looking in, we see the success that people have and then we try to replicate it on our own. And sometimes like we set these standards or parameters for ourselves that set us up for failure when we're not able to do as well as we thought or we come up short of that goal or whatever, you know, and the inspiration is, is terrific, man. Like people need inspiration for sure. But uh, at the end of the day, like you gotta, you gotta use that inspiration to do a little soul searching and figure out what's inside. Um, and if you can figure out what's inside, then you know, you, you're, you're essentially, you're following your heart. You're not following uh, somebody else's. Yeah. I mean, you gotta just use it for what it is when you specifically, when you're talking about like Instagram or social media or anything like that, you just, you gotta know that it is just the best yep. moment that they were able to capture, like the best moment, and you didn't see everything else. Yep. If you can keep that mindset in mind, then I think it's okay. It's yeah. when you forget about that. Oh man, that dude, but, but I'm saying, like, you live through it just like I lived through it, just like you did. Is it, how hard is it, man? Like, you, you never look, um, and this is the plight of the athlete too, or the competitors. Like, you know, you have an expectation around what you're doing to perform and how you train. And there are so many successes and highs that you go through on a monthly basis mm -hmm. that um, literally just get left right where they are, you know? And it's like, why is that? Because all that shit is the puzzle pieces moving towards the bigger picture. And, you know, it's like, uh, that's your job. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you, you do things like, you know, a professional baseball player steps in the batter's box for batting practice and, you know, doesn't miss a ball and clubs three or four of them out of the park. Well, like, uh, is he like dancing and like getting hype about that? Like, nah, because like that's his job to hit baseballs. Mm -hmm. And he knows that even though like maybe that pitcher's throwing him like 90 miles an hour and not one of us could fucking hit a ball coming, you know, coming out on that fast, except for me. But you I'm guys- I'm terrible at baseball. <laughs> I'm no, awful. I'm just, I'm, I used to play baseball and I, I fancy myself that I was pretty good, but um, I stopped playing, and the last time I can remember going to a batting cage was like, holy shit, so long ago. And I remember being like, like it all feels, this is yeah. great, great little segue. It all feels right. You know what I mean? Like you got the bat, you're in position, everything's muscle memory, and you're like, yo, I'm fucking it's Frank on. Thomas out it's here. <laughs> and uh, when I tell you, man, that like the definition of like unathleticism, like just <laughs> like, Dude, I might as well have been Happy Gilmore. Uh, Fuck yeah! Dude. <laughs> just taking it off the bean. That's awesome. Um, no, we but, should definitely go to a batting cage. Yeah, we should. I picked up skateboarding again. I used to skate when I was a kid. I skateboarded for like ten years, and I was pretty good at it. Yeah. And then I didn't do it much. And then like over the summer, I started skateboarding again, and just I stepped on it like you said. And I was like, oh. I got this. Yeah. And dude, I was so fucking sore the next day. Yo, it's because you do, I was though. dying, dude. It's because you do got this. I was this. dying. It's that. It was so hard. It's that you got to. It, look, man, but, that's, that's, that's a really good example. Um, you you do actually have it. It's it's in the neurological wiring. Yeah. Just like the people who show up and they're like, fuck, like I used to be able to run a whatever time mile, you know, and when I get off or when I start running or if I go swim or whatever the task may be, you know, I just don't feel like I could do that anymore. And you come back to it and you're like, but you haven't swam in six years and you were like a college swimmer. And like, you know, it's safe to say that like, if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's a real thing. So, right. um, you know, it's like I said, it's that, it's that feeling. Um, I don't know, I wasn't at the batting cage that long per se. Like I was only, I only paid, paid for like one round of, 
uh, baseballs to come through. Yeah. So, so we get you like three rounds in, you'd be back. On I think so, man. Yeah, I you think said? so. You just had the soft pitch. Maybe softballs. I was just so much stronger that like, uh, you know, I was swinging too yeah, fast. Yeah, that makes sense. Like that. Did you ever have the fear like in cartoons where you hit it back into the machine and it kind of blows up? Did you ever see that? Now that it crossed your guys' minds? No. No? I'm going to be honest, man. I've never thought about <laughs> I that. I dream about that kind of stuff. I dream about that when okay. I was a kid. <clears throat> How badass would you be? Yeah. You know, I was, uh, over the summer, I was at Top Golf. It's like this outdoor golf, uh, like, range slash bar restaurant thing. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I, hit the, I went for it, man. Dude, there's people everywhere. The people that were in the booth right next to us, like, you know, at their, at their driving range setup, and, they're, you know, they're teeing up and everything. I hit the ball. It went directly 90 degrees, like, mm-hmm. towards them. <laughs> Luckily, they got barriers up, but, man, that shit Hell was close. Yeah. Can't go off. So, yeah, Yo, do you remember when we used, to, shit. we used to stand across the field and just hit the ball at each other? Mm-hmm. We got pretty good at it. Yeah. We were, we we were hitting good. them on a line. Like, Ty and I would go, I mean, what was it, probably, like, 50 yards away? Yeah, something or like that. More or less. And we would just Are chip, you guys talking about hitting golf, golf balls at each other? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we just like have a pass. Forth. Yeah. Like having cats. And like we got pretty decent at it, honestly. <laughs> yeah, man. It was fun. Yeah. A lot, <laughs> lot of brain cells in this uh, tree. <laughs> Yo, speaking of brain cells, dude, I was just on this hunting trip. Yep. And we were telling dumb like bro stories. And I was, I was talking about how when we all tased ourselves, mm-hmm. when we were hanging out at the gym the one day. Oh man, that no, I don't think I tased. Me. I don't think I did. Probably you didn't I was do there it. For that, man. You were de- you tased me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you were definitely there. I think you got tased. Casey. Okay, I'm pretty there. sure we all. No, you, I've been tased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you convinced me by saying, "No, I've been tased." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and it was all right. It was all right. Yeah. It was all right. But it was just so funny. Yeah. Well, man. my dipshit friends used to tase me, and <laughs> when I was fucking be asleep in college, <laughs> and then hide behind like couches and stuff, and like that's. That's awesome. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah, man. It. it uh, <laughs> I know we've done our fair share of dumb shit for sure, but <clears throat> who hasn't, right? <laughs> no, um, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, you. Uh, what were you gonna say? Because I got a, I got a question for you guys. But no, no, go for it. I was just gonna, you know, I'll wrap up at, afterwards. But go for it. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, this is uh, just curiosity to me. I mean, what? Um, I was alluding to a little bit before, like. You know, I think it's important that people understand. I think, let me say this. I think that one of the reasons why, personally, I have the success that I have with people um, has, you know, far more to do with my ability to connect with them than even what I know relative to fitness, right? Um, And trust me, like, I'm very confident in terms of what I know and um, the, you know, education that I have within and the applicable education, um, and ultimately my commitment to, you know, gaining a greater knowledge base, being a great coach, having the tools and being equipped with those things. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, like what's my, my powerhouse or my strong suit is going back to that original part of the conversation is like <clears throat> the trust that I'm able to build with people, um, you know, th- them believing wholeheartedly that I've got their back, um, and sort of, you know, having that level of inspiration relative to, you know, a meaningful uh, path for them and the goals that they're trying to accomplish and knowing that I'm trying to help them get there. Um, it goes back to that stuff about like helping people um, do do for them what they can't do for themselves. Um, and I do think we're very much in that industry. Um, you know, I, I try to I try to be an active learner as a coach and 
Um, you know, even when I think like I don't, I don't like care to know anything else. I'm just like, if I really look at my day-to-day practices and stuff, I can always come up with like, you know, whether it's a podcast on my ride in every day or something, generally um, it's that obsession, you know, and, and what makes, what makes somebody great at what they do. You go back to Kobe, like, look, you can say that he worked hard, but if you really like evaluate what he did, this is like a different degree of psychological connection to the game of basketball. And so, Mm -hmm. um, by no means do I think I'm Kobe in, uh, in the sport of coaching people. Um, I would never say that, but at the same time, um, you know, I do feel like I'm obsessed, um, with what, I do here on all levels. And I think that education is one piece of that and trying to constantly learn new things and question a lot of things. Uh, I'm sure as you guys know, like over the course of what you've done as coaches and even what you're doing now, right? You're trying to, and this is what I get at, like when I really mean sift through the bullshit, it's like not being afraid to question um, things that, you know, you might have interest in or think about just because somebody said them or whatever. But it all boils back down for me to that obsession point, right? An obsession, much like how we dictate with clients, like what their priorities are. That's one of the questions that we ask. Um, trying to figure out someone's priorities um, is actually a question that they've answered before they even speak. And that's really asking them what they spend the most time doing. And so, you know, you're, something can be a priority. It doesn't have to be an obsession. But I, personally, when I think about like, um, you know, it's it's obvious um, that coaching and running this business and um, being an OPEX coach is my priority. Um, When you look at the external factors, the things that I do when I don't have to do them or I don't have the obligation or responsibility to be doing them, generally speaking, uh, they have to do with strength and conditioning or they have to do with fitness or whatever it may be or performance So, um, or nutrition. So I'm always kind of like, you know, I know this is my passion. I know it's a something that I'm excited to do every day when I wake up. I know that it is uh, fulfilling to me, but at the same time, um, you know, I feel like at some levels, like there is mastery there, right, as a coach, yet I continue to like put the countless hours in. Um, I'm just drawn to it. So that obsession concept, like what are you, like what are you obsessed with? Um, And more or less, what is it for you guys, like on the podcast side of things, that makes you um, so interested in being on that side of the mic? And, and who do you listen to? And why is that uh, important? And the reason that I ask that is the, from the same thing, like obviously I'm interested, but from like uh, just the human side and the coaching side, I think much of what I said before, you, you don't know, you, you have to know the man first, right? Like to understand how he got to A, B, and C. And I think, you know, I, I see that you got, obviously we have a lot of fun doing this and I see what you're doing. The, what's the authenticity piece for you behind it and what makes you want to be obsessed with bringing new guests on? And, uh, and I don't know, how do you go about thinking about that? I'm sure you guys listen to a lot of shit because you're trying to like be better at what you do. Um, just something I thought about today that I thought was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I, so <clears throat> for me, I, you know, listening to podcasts like, you know, Joe Rogan and that whole crew fighter and the kid or, you know, Gary V, any of those talkers, like they're just fantastic to talk to or to listen to and stuff. But, um, for, 
for me, like what I intrinsically think is important about this is I feel that I recognize how important it is for people to be able to just openly express themselves and how little we have opportunity for that in today's world. Not that we don't have opportunity for it. Just go on Instagram and you'll see everybody's fucking opinion. But it's more so have an opinion but a thought out opinion something that's going to contribute something that's going to serve let's get the let's sift through the the bullshit and let's build a platform for people to come on and say something that really needs to fucking be said and have people actually hear it and i think having me you know recognizing that one i want to figure out what people are saying i want to help the world i want to on a global scale this is how i think about it is i literally in 20 years want to have contacted the fucking world and, and done something, contributed something. You know, I think about like the what's your legacy question all the time. And um, I think this is kind of what I attribute to that is meeting people, expressing, you know, stories and values and, and doing it in a way that empowers people who listen to the show to fucking go do it to, in their own life. You know what I mean? Say the thing that you're not saying. Speak up or learn about what you don't want to learn about. Question things that are being said to you, you know, and try to build this fucking culture that we, that we have in our world. That's what I think. Yeah, man. I mean, I'll second that a little bit. I'll say um, just, you know, we're going for an hour and 15 here. Sometimes they go longer than that. Sometimes they go shorter than that. But like, you know, like you said, you get a thought out opinion. It's always good to hear the full story. I think that's always helpful. Mm -hmm. But for me, what it is, is I just get, I've always been like a little bit, going to your word, obsessed with um, when anybody who's just the best at anything, like it could be literally anything, a sport, a business, math, I don't care. You just, like when I see somebody who's the best at something, I get obsessed with like, oh, okay, let me like, how's that work? What do they do differently than anybody else? And so going, you said Joe Rogan, like that's, that's the main podcast that kind of inspires me just because he has on so many different types of people. And that's what's really intriguing to me. The conversation's different. But all those people and what we, stri what we strive to do here as well, they, those people can be considered the best at what they do in their field. They're the top of the line, right? They're the best of the best. And so when you can have a long conversation with them, see what makes them tick, just hear insights in general. I can't tell you how many times like I've had my mind blown just by having conversations with my two buddies right at the yeah, table. Yeah, yeah. Like you just hear, you hear them talk about their lives, their journey, whatever, and you pick something up from it. It's like reading a book except like mm -hmm. better because you can ask what you want to ask and go where you want to go with it. Yeah. So that's what it is for me. It's just that total obsession with like how, how do these people perform at a high level and whatever it is they're doing. Yeah. And then also I'm also obsessed with trying to figure out how to navigate my own life in a way that's true to myself. And so when you hear other people's stories about that, I mean, yeah. you know, that helps a lot. You can hear, you can pick up little things from that. Yeah. What's more humanistic in an age where everything is, digital and we don't really interact with each other the way that we have in the past then being able to tune in on the conversations that you know people who have the platform or whatever it is um have with let's say subject matter experts i think see to me that's like that's like uh almost like a conundrum because there's a lot of people who think like they need to 
have something that they don't have in order to do something that they're not doing. And it's like the plethora of information and education that exists around how to, you know, figure out or attack your goal that you have, whether it's fitness or like culinary, you know, like there is just between again, and, and a lot of things, a lot of rules have changed, um, you know, just in society around like what, path you need to take and how you're going to educate yourself and how you're going to get this experience. Um, and I think that, um, you know, this is like, this is something that I can remember like as a kid that, you know, my, whatever, my uncle is an answer, my mom and dad's friends who would come over and, you know, everybody sits at the table and like, you know, everybody's hanging out, eating some food and like telling funny stories. And, uh, you know, my pop-up was there and like, uh, all these different instances where as a kid, you know, I kind of had an opportunity to sit at the table with these people. Um, and over time that, that spans into your teachers or your friends or, um, you know, colleagues as you get older. And, uh, you just think about the impact that that has on your, on your, like your non-formal education and what you're able to learn. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of that stuff we, we, we don't look at necessarily for what it is. I think about these roundtable conversation style um, interviews. I think that's why I'm drawn to podcasts so much in terms of like listening myself and obviously being able to contribute is like really cool. So, you know, I, I appreciate you guys having me on the show for that. But, um, you know, what, what are some of the, the most like fond memories or things that I learned as a, even just like a young kid, you know, being around conversations that my mom and dad were in or that, um, you know, other members of my family were in at family functions or, you know, and I think that sometimes we're just in, in general society and in, uh, fitness coaching and, um, you know, I'll just speak to fitness in general. I think we're so reactionary to what we think and what needs to be said that we really just don't do enough listening to the people that know what the fuck they're talking about. And um, I think the more that you can do that and generate some authentic, um, you know, patience, right? Like, um, but, but develop some authentic um, concepts and ideas. You know, there, there's things that have happened in the CrossFit game structure. And like I said, I mean, there's things I see all the time in strength and conditioning and um, that like just make me kind of throw my hands in the air a little bit. And, um, you know, I think obviously being so close to CrossFit Games, having uh, been a competitor in, in years past and then now like coaching athletes in that way, um, some of what I see with the new structure, like, you know, I do have some thoughts around, you know, and um, I don't know how to react to it all yet. And I've had really fucking frustrating thoughts before. And then I've had times <laughs> where I'm like, hey, what would I what would I be doing if I was still competing? Um, what do you, what and do you how think does about that matter? It? What do you think about what's going on? Um, well, I'll tell you that, but ultimately the, the case in point is that I think that's just one like loose example of kind of, uh, you know, as a fitness coach, like things happening and us in general sort of jumping the gun on what we believe. And um, just because someone, you know, on the other side of things, just because someone posts a exercise or the throwing the tennis balls or whatever you want to say, um, I think we have to continue to listen um, rather than react. And I think that any way you cut it, like a lot of times those reactionary statements or the, um, 
the, the commentary that we create or the content that we create that kicks back on some of those ideas, although it's beneficial. What we need to keep doing as fitness professionals is continuing to try to service our clientele, you know, obviously on the, on the home front and make sure that they understand the why behind what they do. Um, and then I think that, you know, on a bigger level, we need to be able to educate people um, between what is real and what is not. Um, but I guess my, my CrossFit Games point was more or less just that we're so reactionary, you know what I mean? Oh, like yeah, yeah. <clears throat> everything, yeah. like, I mean, and look, for good reason, like, I, <laughs> I think the CrossFit Games are making the shit up as they go. Um, just Agreed. like, what, and, they definitely are. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you can go down that rabbit hole forever. Um, <clears throat> I, as a coach, I'm impacted by that because I have, um, I have athletes who, um, and I think you guys have heard me talk before, like, I mean, actual athletes that compete in the sport, not people who come to the gym and work out. Mm. Um, but the athletes who are turning their lives upside down, who are committed wholeheartedly to the sport and the goal that they have and understanding their timeline around what that is. And am I upset that they changed the structure of the CrossFit Games? I don't think so yet. I don't have enough information. Um, do I feel for them currently and all the confusion and fucking question marks that exist? Yes. And do I think CrossFit Games as an entity has handled that shit so incredibly fucking poorly because of that and the people whose lives are in balance because of what they do and what they're attempting to do? Um, yes, I do. Mm. And uh, I also think that <clears throat> at the same time, um, at some point in time, we collectively, as a community of people involved in CrossFit training methodology and I guess sport because of that, because this whole thing's kind of like a paradox anyway, like, you know, as we know, it's like CrossFit's not the CrossFit Games, but then every February it actually is. And then now Greg Glassman says it's not going to be about the Games anymore, but I can't remember, fellas, a time when the fucking focus wasn't more on the CrossFit Games than right now. Mm -hmm. And um, we have yet to find out information around what the Open's going to say and, um, you know, really what the, I guess the logistics are around that as to, you know, I'm not like an economist here, but my guess is that CrossFit, the entity likes money. Um, if you like money, then I would assume <laughs> that you would want the 400,000 people to pay you $20 to sign up because that is like uh, some type of revenue generation. And since you cut regionals out at a million dollars a clip, I'm guessing there's a profit turn there. But again, like I don't read the books, you know what I mean? So yeah. at the end of the day- Well, they still have an <clears> open. They are no, I know. I know. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. But like, I guess without knowing the rules and maybe without them even knowing the rules, we get um, to this, we kind of led to this point where we're just, we're all sort of, and I'm speaking on behalf of like the mm -hmm. athletes here. Mm -hmm. And this is maybe the frustrating point. I'll talk about what's not frustrating in a second, because I also think there's some massive opportunity in the structure changes. But, um, you know, ultimately you have people who are like committed to a goal that they set the course of their year out to and, and still they don't necessarily have these answers other mm -hmm. than just like, we'll fucking do some mm -hmm. qualifiers in the meantime. Um, That's but, the biggest thing I think is that if they're going to announce these changes, this total fucking structure change, they should have had the whole thing hammered down. So here's exactly how it's going to go. Exactly. That, I just think that's... Listen, man, that's you know, poor. name me another yeah. sport that rolls out a fucking major event that doesn't have their rule book published. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Right. Like I'm, I'm cool with the change. I get like, yeah, but same. they should have handled it better. Yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I guess I don't know. All I'm getting at is uh, 
there are some, I just think there are just like some fundamental things that are, are problematic. And I, um, I feel for the athletes on that side because I do think, you know, people, what it takes, right? Um, it's like, I'm not, I'm, not, um, I'm not in the camp that I feel like, you know, CrossFit took something from people. You know, I see uh, a lot of messaging about that. It's like regionals was taken from me. Mm. And uh, Train I was gonna, nah, you know what? <laughs> listen, listen, this is the truth actually. And it's gonna make me sound really cold, but um, at some point in the game, we decided that like, putting this title of regionals athlete on people's names like mm -hmm. fucking actually meant something, but the bottom line is that it doesn't, right? So um, I know I sound like a real <laughs> asshole when I say that, but I lived it, so I can tell you that <laughs> I mean that. Um, I went to regionals a few times, and there was, there was no, um, there, there was none of that. Uh, why? Because it was commendable just as it is for the, uh, all the athletes who made it there, right? So if I say it doesn't mean something, what I mean is like, yo, fucking great job. And uh, that takes some real, 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 like serious commitment. And uh, I don't take anything from them in terms of being um, highly competitive and uh, knocking the shit out of the park, right? It, it's, you gotta be real deal to get to that level. My problem is, is that at some point in, in, in like over the years when, maybe it was when the switch to 20 happened or whatever, we started putting an asterisk next to people's name that we're like, Jimmy John, he's a regionals athlete. Yeah. I think it was Stevie, when we switched to Stevie 20. Smith, he's a, yeah. yo, yo, that guy's a regionals athlete. And mm -hmm. I get it, because there's some type of prestige around that, right? And it's probably deserved, but at the end of the day, dude, like that regionals athlete and me and you guys, we were all sitting at home watching the games. Mm. So like last time I checked, like they don't hand out checks for that. So like even though it's really cool and you can put that shit in your Instagram profile, like the, the sport didn't change because the demand for performance is still as high. If you're the fucking best, you're gonna go. Mm -hmm. If you're not the best, you can either train harder to go, as you talk about, or you can put the hat on that says five times regional athlete. At the end of the day, everybody's gonna forget that shit. You won't, just like I won't, right? I got what I did right in here. But, I, like, but that was years ago, and now, like, ask, now ask the general public, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So like, the bottom line is, there's, there's two visits to Carson, California in that uh, resume, and I'm proud as hell of those visits. And no one will ever be able to take that from me, and that's all I, I needed, right? Just like the regional trips for those athletes are in the same place. They have them, they need them, it's all good. My problem is not with the regional athlete that makes it, I have nothing but respect for those people. What I'm saying is, when those regional level athletes put themselves into a category that was I'm, regionals, I'm a regionals level athlete mm -hmm. and now Dave, uh, Dave Castro and Greg Glassman pulled the plug on me. Mm -hmm. Well, your fucking why wasn't right to begin with, mm -hmm. right? Because like all you were doing this for was the fucking type. Like when you're a regionals level fucking crossfitter and you're like, what am I gonna fucking do now? Uh, train your ass off and try to get on the fucking floor at a sanctioned event? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's what I would have done. And I'm, I'm speaking from the guy who's not, I'm, clearly I'm not doing it, right? Um, but I, that's, I think at that stage of my life when, you know, that part of competition was so serious, right, Ty, you guys were there. Mm -hmm. 
what I'm saying is like, what, what would we have done? We would have sat on it for two days and been like, man, fuck. Let's get to work. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have been, let me go find a fucking another sport. Mm -hmm. Let me quit. Let me do this, do Move that, to whatever. A country. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. You know what I mean? In so all honesty, honestly, like, I, hey, you got to do what you got to do. But why is that mm -hmm. shit happening? Because we don't even know the fucking rules yet. <laughs> yeah. But here's what I know. I'm sure you guys have thought about this. Is Yes, I know the Open still exists. Um, but if one person from the United States of America can win the Open um, in America and go, and the top 20 athletes worldwide are going to go, then why would any of us um, who are not named Matthew Fraser compete in the fucking Open? Um, and whatever, right? Span it yeah. down. If I'm not if I'm not a candidate for top 20 in the world, mm -hmm. why would I sign up? And my I guess my question is like. If cross and we're gonna find out because I'm sure they got a plan at this point. Um, but like, if CrossFit, the business likes money, then why would they create a rule system or, or a structure system that's gonna push um, the 400,000 uh, mm. signees uh, out? Yeah. Other than if if Glassman really puts his money where his mouth is and he says no, that's it. Um, I will like I will take back everything that I just said. I'll be like, <laughs> yeah. wow, this really fucking is about the health initiative and fucking games are fifth tier to that yeah i think um like you just said making it only the top 20 in the world essentially other than the winners from all the countries go that probably i mean if you think about it that probably only knocks out like 21 through 200 from each region last year like those are the people who were gonna make a shot at regionals yep. and now that's gone and they're like all right fuck it but everybody else, they never had a shot to begin with. Right. Like, so, and they were still signing up, you know, like 400,000 mm -hmm. people didn't have a shot. So like, I sure. still think a lot of people are going to sign up, but you're going to lose those fringe athletes for sure. Those former regional fringe athletes. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I, I mean, I, I just want to, I want to be crystal clear on that. Like, cause it's a, it, it's such a brass thing to say. Like, I really mean this. I'm not bashing the regionals level athletes, man. Fuck. If there's anybody on this planet that knows what it takes, it's you're talking to them. No, I got but, you, man. But um, yeah, I just mean for the general public. <laughs> what I'm saying is I, it pains me to see the athletes who, and I'm sure a lot of it is passion and frustration misguided, but it pains me to see the athletes who have put their life into this shit, who still have a shot, right? Who aren't on their fucking last leg anyway or whatever it was, but like who still have a shot and they, they take this decision as like some kind of fucking end of the world. It's like, look at this stage, like you have never qualified for the CrossFit games. Um, so what's different, right? You still want to do it. What if you just showed up in a gym tomorrow and you didn't know any other way, you'd be like, I'm gonna fucking do this shit. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's, that's what I'm saying though. That's misalignment. That's, that's your yeah. athlete who looks hollow because they're yeah. going through, they're going through the motions every day because the expectation externally that they feel is I got to get to regionals mm -hmm. or everybody's going to mm -hmm. think I'm a failure. And they like, they need guidance, man. Athletes, like there are a lot of athletes right now who need coaching, who need guidance, who needs somebody in their corner who has their back saying, listen, you know, hey, this is where you sit. This is where I think you can be. This is how we're going to get there. And oh, by the way, like all those ups and downs and shit that you're going through, like other people are going through them too. And mm -hmm. like, I can help you with that. And, you know, don't forget, like, this is why you do what you do. And if it were easy, everybody on the planet would be fucking doing it. Yeah. You know, so I think that's the part that I'm really trying to get at. It's just painful to see athletes going through this shit. Um, and uh, I feel for him, man. I fucking, I really do. I, I can't, 
imagine if I was like a bubble player for like the mm -hmm. last three years, what the fuck I would be feeling right now. And it would be so incredibly frustrating. That being said, um, there's gotta be, there's gotta be something that comes out relatively soon. I think we're going to get the rule book soon. If was that published yet or I don't know. I mean, I'm going I to follow tomorrow, it. Yeah. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. Is that when that starts tomorrow? It starts on Wednesday. That's cool. But don't I think forget to say goodbye to Ty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was making those jokes all day. Were you? Yeah, I knew it. Um, but <laughs> I, I think what I what I agree with you on, Cody, too, is it's not that the athletes that make it to regionals don't work hard. It's the ones that are going to quit and make excuses and stuff like, dude, you had a fucking expiration date anyway. You yeah. weren't going to make it, even sure. if regionals still existed. That's how you identified yourself. You were a regional athlete. That's your ceiling. You did that to yourself. I think that if I think we did that as yeah. a collective. I think well, yeah. people started putting a premium on that. And that shit, like, it, it anchors people to the floor. Yeah. Well, it's when we switched to 20 is when it happened because it became way more prestigious to make it to regionals. Yeah. Sure. You know, so that was kind of just inherent from that. But I think even more, the mindset is the problem. It's the yeah. people are fucking blaming other things rather than saying, yo, let's get to work. This is the way it is. I'm going to yeah. go there. Well, you, and you see I mean? the ones, exactly the what you're talking about. The ones who aren't doing that, you wouldn't have made it anyway. Yeah, and the ones who are doing it aren't the ones making the yeah. post that I'm talking about. Right, exactly. Like exactly. Yeah, fuck, kick rocks. On the positive side, and not to cut you off, I just want to make sure I hit on the, like, um, with the new structure, and I, I mean, I said this early, Ty, I think you were still here during this time, but I think the opportunity for athletes competing, I mean, I, I do think this is going to take Maybe even another twelve months. Maybe till we get to the second open. Yeah. Um, or perhaps even later than that. But my point is like the opportunity for athletes personally, what I think is uh exponentially bigger than it's ever been. I think it's great. Um not yeah. just on the grounds that they have more opportunities to compete and qualify at these levels. Cause if we're being real, like you're still talking about a um like kind of like a constantly rolling and overlapping like group of athletes yes. who are going to compete. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the opportunity for athletes to actually make this a profession, that's always been the thing, right? Like CrossFit pays out, but it's not like uh, people who have uprooted their lives and who are doing this full time can make actual money training and competing in these competitions unless they're winning or unless they have some type of massive um, social media following or you know, they know somebody who knows somebody and they have a fucking sponsorship. I also think it opens the door for what sponsors can come in and who might be willing to come in, right? Because I'm not just talking about Nike versus Reebok, but I'm talking about like fucking Red Bull and like um, some of your heavy hitters who sponsor individual athletes in the X Games or, or things even like that who might have a peaked interest now that it's not simply... Um, handcuffed to the Reebok CrossFit games. Right. Yeah. And there's all these other opportunities to travel and go places and put their name uh, on the competition floor. So yeah. that part is really interesting. And I, I see that as a, just as a coach and I get excited for, you know, uh, the athletes that I have who, you know, are competitive now and the ones that I think will be super competitive in the future. Um, you know, I have a, a master's female going to Wadapalooza 50 to 54 division. And, um, you know, dude, that's, that's 13 people. Like they take 13 um, out of everybody who is doing that. And there's never been a time where that, um, in my opinion, where that distinction um, has ever been like more important because it's, you know, Wadapalooza is now a sanctioned event, yes. right? So it's like the, the, the guns are heavy that go that way. And so, um, you know, for her to do that, I think in and of itself is a big accomplishment. Um, obviously the goal is to do well there, but you think about her, if she is able to kind of 
continue to create some of that success around these uh, qualifiers a couple times a year that have master's level competition. And obviously her big focus being on the open since the master's division is still the same um, in terms of how they handle who gets to the games, then I think that opens the door for someone like that to acquire more sponsorships or make themselves a recognizable name. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and likewise for the younger competitors where you say, hey, look, this is, you know, Timmy and he's doing this and um, he's sort of, this is the goal for him. And, you know, you could kind of, you could kind of go more on a local level and ask, you know, some of the companies that, um, you know, surround you, you know, what interest do you have in helping us get to this place? And here's why it could be beneficial for you. Or, and I, I just think over time, man, more and more companies are going to have to step in and, um, you know, and put some money on the line for these guys who have been, um, <laughs> this is going to sound fucked up, who they've been pimping out for the last like 10 years because mm-hmm. they sent them free t-shirts and shit. And mm-hmm. it's like, thanks X company for sending yeah. me all this gear. And now I'm going to wear it. And everybody on earth has a discount code now. Um, for it fucking everything ticket, and uh yeah right like yeah. hey uh how about that how about that cash though yeah you know yeah so i think really more or less right now that the athletes that have some sponsorships um sponsorships um are going to have some leverage in the game because they've been obviously helping support mm-hmm. this company as much as the company has been helping support them and i think if i'm if i'm any of those companies i would really be intrigued to step up and say you know for those people who make it um, and who are kind of be- because those stages just got infinitely bigger, exactly. right? Wadapalooza yeah. just gotten way bigger. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I I can tell you that obviously with people competing there this this year, um, and I had uh, athlete competing there last year as well mm-hmm. in the t- um, intermediate division, but you know, I think the general public is going to be paying a lot more close attention to what's going on in some of these subsidiary events, now sanctioned events, um, than they ever have in the past. So what bigger of an opportunity when they're not, when the athletes aren't chained down to a Reebok uniform, um, you know, that looks like it just came out of a, uh, a bucket of tie-dye. <laughs> Fucking pastels. Well, they kind of closed, like, so you, you no longer have regional athletes, but now it's it's going to be qualifier athletes. Like, yep. That's what you're going to have. But it kind of closed the gap a little bit between, you know, the, the gap from regionals to the games um, versus now the gap between the qualifier and the games. That The level of performance is what I'm talking about. It's yep. closed that gap yeah. significantly, I think, because, you know, you, you mentioned it already. It's going to be a rolling pool of athletes. You know, you don't win in Dubai. Yeah. You're going to the next one. Mm. Yeah, you're and it's going to legitimize it, right? Yeah. They're like, building a circuit. Yeah. They're building yep. a circuit. Yeah, we're yeah. going to adjust to plan it. plan is going to be card, professional card-holding athletes and sponsors and that kind of thing. Yeah. I think I could see that. Like I said, man, it really just boils back down to how much Greg Glassman um, mm. does or does not give a shit. Yeah. Um, that part is concerning because, like, all those athletes, all those companies – um, are sort of at the mercy of that because we just kind of saw it. So he that has that enough part, money to not give a shit. Of course, you know? and that's what I'm saying. Like, and I don't, I don't even care to get into that side of it because I don't know enough. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying, as as somebody who's kind of watching from the outside in, seeing it all happen, we know that that is like that was such a massive change. Is it going to raise the game in terms of elevation um, of talent and all that stuff for sure? And um, like I said, I think there's some real good stuff that's going to come out of this. I've even sort of ushered that to the um, athletes that I work with that have had struggle with like figuring what all this is and like what the hell do I do, that kind of stuff. Like not in terms of do I keep training, but like what should I compete in and like how, 
how should I structure my year? What I've tried to tell them is like, look, you know, the opportunities for you guys are massive. You're, you're going to be living right through this. You know what I mean? So it's going to be really cool because you're going to be on that first wave of mm. people who go through what it's like to do this thing. And um, you just have to be patient. You got to keep your nose to the grindstone, keep your eyes on what the goal is uh, and not lose sight of that because that's the only thing that's real anyway. Um, so it actually doesn't matter if they change, you know, they can come out with a new fucking rule tomorrow and they do that shit all the time. So um, what you got to do is what you've always done, which is adapt and overcome and, uh, you know, find a way. Right. So that's uh, I mean, that's a good probably theme overall. The real important thing to talk about here is that Ty and I actually invented this um, years ago. <laughs> so, you know, we didn't document it, but... Uh, we also invented the collegiate uh, league as well, which is now a, a blossoming thing. The collegiate league? Yeah, like the teams would have, the, you know, Colleges. schools that have their own teams. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. Now. I got you. I know what you're talking yeah. about now. I see. Yeah. Um, I didn't know we named it, so like I yeah, was just I called saying. it the collegiate league. Okay, yeah, I know we had filed because like, it's uh, it's a league in college. So yeah, yeah, Makes yeah that's sense. cool. Anyways, um, yeah, Mr. Lafleur, Lafleur, <laughs> it was. <laughs> thank you, yep. for joining us here. How can the good peeps reach out to you? Yeah, first off, thank you guys for having me on. It's always fun to sit down um, and rap a little bit, but. Uh, you can follow me at Cody Leffler on Instagram um, and Facebook, and um, you can follow Opex Upper Mainline uh, Fitness, my gym, at Opex Upper Mainline as well. Mm -hmm. um, any questions or anything? I mean, people can always uh, email me. Uh, all that stuff's on our website. I'm always happy to kind of uh, answer questions about what we do and how we help them, and um, more or less how we can get involved. So. Yeah, get your ass in here, man, because like what Cody said, and I can attribute to this and, and working with these guys, you really do a great job of teaching to the individual and getting people on the journey or on the path and, and empowered to like, you know, not to say this to sound bad, but like not need a coach anymore. You get yep. people to live individually. You get them to live their own fucking lives and you empower them to, you know, be confident enough to do so, man. And it's more than just a fucking gym here. So yep. it's cool, man. What you guys are doing is really commendable. Yeah, like I said in the beginning, man, there's mm -hmm. so much that I owe to all the people who have been a part of it to get me to here. And you two are both, uh, you know, a wrinkle in that story as well. So, um, you know, just very fortunate to have the... Uh, people around me that I have now and um, also the, the support system of people who have helped me all along the way. So um, this whole thing, going back to the very beginning of this conversation, Ty, is uh, you know very much like a, a, a giant melting pot of the uh, successes and the failures that I've had, both personally and um, as a coach and in business and in sport, um, and a mixtape of all the uh, the the stuff that I wish that you know I could have told myself back then that would have helped me out. So that's what makes a good coach. And, um, those are the people that we're, I'm continually trying to surround myself with. And I appreciate the opportunity to come on and, uh, and talk about that. Amen, brother. Preach. Cool. All right, fellas.